0: Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.
1: Cowboys Nation, welcome to another edition of the Hidden Yardish Podcast. It is not a Victory Monday, but by now you've heard our Daily so, of course, with the great Justin Navarez. You've heard the great crew over on 1st and 10. Breakdown, what is the most recent Cowboys loss to the Green Bay Packers. And so now, Sean Martin, of course, with you. And I'm joined, as always, by LP Cruz, And we are going to have kind of our, not final thoughts on what happened out there against the Packers, but really take a deeper view on, you know, what this means going forward and then talk about where the Cowboys go from here. So they fall to... Six and three, we all saw it on Fox's, of course, game of the week. Maybe some Cowboys fans missed the very beginning of this game because they were busy watching the end of another overtime contest between the Buffalo Bills and Minnesota Vikings. And that game, of course, already up there in contention for game of the season and the craziness that happened in Buffalo. But next week's Cowboys opponent, the Vikings, do escape that game a win. And then it was on to, of course, Lambeau Field. Mike McCarthy's return to Green Bay. And all the shots of him reuniting with Lambeau Field staffers and Packers coaches, and none other than Aaron Rodgers, who did what Aaron Rodgers does so many times to the Dallas Cowboys to drop them to six and three. Rodgers gets the win. His twenty pass attempts in this game, LP, the fewest in any career game against the Cowboys. This idea that you know he owns the Cowboys is still very much true, of course, in the win or loss column. But you know the idea that this game specifically was the one where he really which his usual self what we expect to see from Aaron Rodgers against the Cowboys defense as far as just tearing him up through the air. Wasn't exactly the case, not for all four quarters at least, but in over time when it mattered the most, certainly they made the play whenever they, they needed a big play to Christian Watson. Those throws were certainly there against the Cowboys secondary, you know, still trying to figure things out around some injuries and around Trayvon Diggs, who is going to, you know, force other teams to throw away from him. That's exactly what happened. So all said and done. Cowboys always 31 to 28 in overtime and a setback that really you know we saw it coming, but at the same time we didn't see coming. I don't know if Cowboys fans had the fullest picture of you know what this Packers team was beyond their record. And I think record-wise, that's why we all had high hopes that the streak would be snapped against the Packers, but this is still a very talented Green Bay defense, and that's exactly what we saw as the Cowboys offense did jump out to that 28-14 lead, but was unable to score the rest of the game as the Packers made things hard from there to keep Aaron Rodgers within striking distance. They get the win on a Mason Cosby overtime walk-off field goal.
2: So, I mean, to that point, I know for Cowboys fans, you know, there's Cowboy fans that always will fear the Green Bay Packers. They'll fear the boogeyman of Aaron Rodgers, and – before this game even happened, even on my own personal platform, I started just to uh, do a, an, an analysis of Green Bay. I did my own little film breakdown of Green Bay. I kind of talked about where they were at within their interpersonal setting. Right. And I made that video in basically in a direct open letter to Cowboy fans that you shouldn't fear the Green Bay Packers because they're not the same team of old. They're not this premier high flying offense. The, the mystique of Aaron Rodgers isn't quite what it is because even within themselves, there's been a lot of inner turmoil. So when you saw this team come out there and they were running the ball and very, very specifically running the ball to the outside of the Cowboys defense, that was pretty much their, their best shot. That was their, their puncher's chance to kind of find any rhythm and momentum in that game to start off with. That was their bread and butter. And for whatever reason, Green Bay, they, you know, they, they have a couple drives. They don't score a missed field goal. They're forced to punt. The Cowboys kind of struggle to kind of put them away early and put them in their place early. Then you score once, you get the turnover. Great play by Tank Lawrence. Fantastic play by Tank Lawrence. And it's all sudden to take a two-score lead. They then have the miscommunication amongst the receivers. And that is one thing with this team that you look at. They're a very talented team. I don't think Green Bay is as talented as they have been in years past with their offensive line um, and their skill position guys because they're still learning the ropes. But our team has this habit of making the worst possible mistakes among veteran players, that being Dalton Schultz and C.D. Lamb. Those guys making those mistakes there kind of were the burden uh, of what happened today. It, it allowed Green Bay to come back in the game because of the mental mistakes. We're going to get in-depth with that. But overall, I feel like the mental mistakes are what prevented the Cowboys to exercise their boogeyman of the Green Bay Packers and Aaron Rodgers to lose this game in dramatic, heartbreaking fashion in overtime.
1: Now we know the Cowboys could lose to anybody in any fashion, and you know the immediate reaction by most fans would just be to use it as a confirmation bias to always say, you know, this team was never as good as we all said. You know how. Why did you guys fall for trying to hype us up as this was the year for this team? But this loss feels particularly deflating for that reason, because, you know, like I said in the intro, the Cowboys did have a chance here against the Packers team that you didn't see Aaron Rodgers do what he usually does against you. As far as a full four quarters and an overtime body of work, you did have some momentum coming into this. But for Dak Prescott, it was his first road game and first you know cold weather game for this entire team. Up the season and a bit of a mixed, you know, stat line for him. And obviously, he won't be happy with the loss. That's the biggest thing. But his stat line as follows, the 27 completions on those 46 attempts and three touchdowns, a positive. But then the two interceptions, a big negative, especially when you consider one of them, as you hinted on, as you were going in following a turnover. So, you know, Dan Quinn's defense does what it does best, gets a turnover, tries to swing the game, tries to make it even harder to put it out of reach for Aaron Rodgers, who's never out of the game, so you really do need to cash in those opportunities, and that was the first half opportunity for the Cowboys to certainly get at least three points there you would have felt okay about, but at the end of another interception, so Prescott does finish with the three touchdowns but two costly turnovers.
2: Yeah, and I think as we look at the the mistakes in the defense, I, it raises questions for me about the defense, and on the surface level, and I had to be honest with you because I'm, I'm I'm tired, I'm, I'm physically tired from just a long weekend of other projects and things like that. But when you come down to sit, sit down and watch this game, and I think many cowboy fans are the same way. You invest a lot of time into this team and a lot of energy, whether it's um, whatever energy it might be, whether it's you know having your game day rituals, even watching the game and just the wave of, of emotion watching this game, watching this team play as you expel all this energy watching this team play. I'm physically exhausted. I'm tired. It's 1030 here on the East Coast, and I feel like it's, it's midnight, if not 2 a.m. at the bar. I'm exhausted. Mm-hmm. And I feel that way based on the way this team has this, this this weird way of not putting things away. And I say this saying all the time online. that This team likes to play with their food, and they, they do it a lot. You have teams that you put teams away. You put them in that box. You put them away, and – the way this defense just falls short of basic, fundamental things, and I'm not talking about the coverage down the field. That's its own conversation, and it has a viable, reasonable explanation for that. It's very reasonable what's going on. You're, you're down two players in your secondary. That's your down first, your, your primary slot corner. You're down your boundary corner in Anthony Brown, which fans don't seem to love too much anyway, and I understand that part. But there's a chasm and a certifiable difference between the top two guys and the next two guys, that being De'Ron Bland and Calvin Joseph. But, again, I can understand the deficiencies in the pass game and in the secondary. What I cannot understand is why they struggle so much with stopping the run and stopping these penalties, these mistakes that keep happening week in, week out, just the un-ill-advised penalties – that's the one that I can't understand about this defense. And for all that we say about Dan Quinn, he's a great teacher, he's a great motivator. Well, then look, motivate your guys to not make mistakes because when you play Aaron Rodgers, the one thing I will commend them for, you didn't fall for the okey doke and jump in the neutral zone all the time. Great job with that. But the personal foul penalties, the, the face mask penalties, and just not tackling, not tackling. There were there were plays out there where you saw Aaron Jones stumble in the backfield, yet. and also A.J. Dillon, stumble in the backfield, find the means to fall forward for two, three, four yards to allow this team to, to have third and two, third and one, when it should be a third and five, a third and six, an obvious passing down for your defense, your pass rush, who has earned the right to go after this quarterback. They just didn't do it. They didn't do their homework. And to me, I'm going to give them a failing grade for that, but... Yeah, I think that's the one thing with this defense. I know you have things you want to share about the defense and the questions to ask, but that area right there with that run defense, that really is what's bothering me right now.
1: Yeah, we'll talk Cowboys run defense in just a second. Certainly going to be a hot topic all week, not just because of what happened against the Packers. Of course, that's the starting point here, but you know what led into it as far as it's been kind of an issue all season that you were able to cover up against lesser teams because you were either scoring enough points to take teams out of the run game, which is really something I want to talk about, or you were just giving up kind of you know empty yards on the ground and knowing the defense could hunker down in the red zone, things like that. Now it's so tough against Aaron Rodgers who didn't even need many snaps from the from the red zone to be you know efficient in this game. It was more of the long balls to Christian Watson, of course, to really broke the back of Dan Quinn's defense and made a difference in this game, but this is of course, you know, my first season doing the Hidden Yards podcast. And you tell me, LP, I can't remember any season though following the NFL, which I've been doing for a long time, where fans or media alike have been trying to drag just a general consensus on any team out there down, you know, to the middle of the pack more. And I get that's kind of the appeal of the NFL. It's what the league itself goes for, you know, when they pitch each new season in terms of you know, it's an eight and eight type of league. And, you know, I guess you can't say that as much anymore because they play 17 games, but it's as close to a 500 league as can be. And every team, you know, has a fresh chance and that's all great. And it mostly holds up except when it doesn't, you know, usually by the end, we know the quarterbacks and the teams that are going to be there. And it feels like this year, you know, I've never seen a bigger effort to try to devalue the teams who are trying to push their way into being that upper tier, you know, that aren't the old guard per se, you know, the Eagles are right here in this division, of course. And, you know, the talk is nauseating in terms of every week, how good are the Eagles They're 8-0 they're 7-0, but who have they beaten? you know, it's nauseating to talk about constantly just how good a team that keeps finding ways to win actually is. So as we keep trying to devalue these good teams in the sake of trying to keep everything on an even playing field, it felt like this loss is particularly deflating because it really knocks the Cowboys back right into that middle pack that we want all these teams to be in, as opposed to this could be the Cowboys year because look at all these teams that are in the middle, even if they, even if their record would say that they're not, you know, just a middle team, they're better than that. If you look at who they beat, they were probably closer to it. And it felt like this would be the year where if you were going to go all in, you know, I hate that term, but I made the point last week of it makes sense this year in terms of cementing Dak Prescott's legacy to be a contending quarterback in the NFC. You're not going to have the old guard as much anymore. But yet, I think we all saw, hopefully you did just because of the atmosphere, a bit of the Germany game this morning, Seahawks and Bucks from units. And it was the old guard, Tom Brady getting the win. And then head to head, it was certainly an old familiar opponent in Aaron Rodgers doing what he does against the Cowboys to win his fourth straight against them. And nine in the last 10 in this rivalry have gone by way of Mike McCarthy's old team, the Green Bay Packers. So, yeah, that's why this loss feels particularly deflating because you you had a chance this year as the Cowboys to go prove that you were amongst a very small group of elite teams this year. But we're getting, you know, later into the season with each moment here and these old, and these teams that we expected to be there are really starting to pull away. And the Cowboys didn't have a chance to pull away today. You know, the Eagles would would have still been ahead of them no matter what happened. And they played tonight in a game that were once again heavily favored in against the commanders, but it still drags you down much closer, I think, if we're being realistic, to that middle of the pack where you're not as close as you want to be to let's just start with the Eagles, but then you also have, of course, the Chiefs and the Bills and these quarterbacks like Mahomes and Josh Allen and now Tom Brady still and Aaron Rodgers that you can't count out as the Packers snap a five-game losing streak where the Cowboys have work to do if they want to prove to anywhere close to those teams.
2: And, and that's the part that I find the most maddening. And you said it yourself as far as the, the changing of the guard and, you know, the the old values being uh, changed. I, I've said this a lot about NFL fans and, and the NFL media at large. You know, this is your first time doing the First Intent podcast, but you've been watching football for a long time. I've been watching football for a long time also. And the one thing I've always – and I've kind of migrated from – national media being my only outlet to football or that my only source for football or resource to things like this podcasting connecting with people that are at the local level but at the local level with a wide view uh, lens of everything and I, I've always said this to you know big media and, and, and the large types that the audience is a lot smarter than you think the audience understands it so while the NFL loves to promote, parody, which is then kind of uh, thrown down to the national media, and then the fan base. No, the, the truth is that the parody exists because the elder statesmen have fallen off a lot. Your, your Tom Brady's, your uh, Russell Wilson's, if you will, they, they've kind of fallen out. There's been a massive changing of the guard, even an older guy like Matt Ryan kind of being ushered out and ushered back in, but not quite himself. Even Geno Smith leading his division. like Those things are where people look at the Cowboys and say, you guys belong to that class. You should belong in that territory based on addition by subtraction. That should be you guys, right? You guys should be there. And the Cowboys ruined and destroyed a lot of fellowship they had built with the national media, with their fans, and with the casual fan and even whatever rival fans that kind of gave them a bit of a pass for what they had done without their starting quarterback – They kind of threw that in the the garbage by losing a game to a team that you have to beat them. You know, to to put things behind you, you have to address what's in front of you. And the Packers have been there. You had your chance to kick them down the stairs, and you wouldn't do it. You just would not do it. You had a 14-point lead in the fourth quarter. You could easily have a nice, complete 10-minute drive to just say, okay, we're going to put this team in a box, put them away, and they couldn't do it. And the thing about that is, when you look at the entire NFL, and you talked about the Bills and the Chiefs, and I'm glad you said that, we watched the Cowboys have an opponent that people expected, whether you want to talk about the national media or not, and maybe it could be a little bit me being facetious here, but to put this game of Green Bay in the America's Game of the Week, where only... People in California got a different game, meaning the entire United States got the exact same game to watch at 430 whenever the Bills game ended. Mm -hmm. You pitted the Cowboys on the national stage. It's not Sunday night football, but it might as well be. You put them on the national stage, an opponent that you think they should beat. So the Cowboys already had that innate pressure of playing the Green Bay Packers, playing Mike McCarthy in Lambeau Field. The Cowboys knew what was in front of them. Even Dak Prescott had alluded to it, and he knew what it meant to the coach to beat this team in that setting, and they didn't do it. That's already kind of disappointing, because they've already had made light of what it meant to win this game. They understood it, and the Packers going into the game were the wounded animals you had to put down out of their misery. You couldn't do it. Whereas, in contrast, the Minnesota Vikings. The Vikings travel to a team that many think, because the Vikings are on that vein, too, of, well, who have they beat? Who are they? They're kind of the Eagles of the NFC North, of who are they? Who are these guys? Because no one likes to believe in Kirk Cousins either. But I'll say this, though. To now tra- they will. Now they will. Now they will. So to travel to Buffalo to beat that team with Josh Allen and Stefan Diggs and that defense and the Bills Mafia jumping through tables, to beat them when you were down, I believe, was it by 17? I think 27 to 10. I'm not quite sure. how They might have been down by – I think it was 17 at one point, if I'm not mistaken. To, to come back in that game and beat that team in dramatic fashion on the road, it says a lot about that team, and it says a lot about what team you think is kind of pushing in that upper echelon of saying, "We're the threat to be taken seriously? We're the team that's the contender in the NFC? Not, not the Cowboys. The Cowboys that have this, this great defense we think is a, is a great defense, and we have Dak Prescott and, and his receivers. Well, guess what? Sometimes you have to kind of put your money where your mouth is Or cast a check that your mouth is writing. You have to do that. You have to go win those games. And you see one team do it that people like to mock. see one team don't do it that people like to mock. And I think that's, that's where the frustration builds in me as a Cowboys fan. And maybe I'm projecting to Cowboys Nation out there. But that's where you get frustrated is why can't you win games you're supposed to win where you're in position in the game to win the game. That's the problem. That's the one problem. Not coaching, but just seal the deal. That's where I have an issue.
1: And a stat I found really concerning in preparation for this show was, you know, I hinted at the Cowboys' best run defense this season perhaps has been simply just taking the opposing team out of the run with the pressure that the offense can put on them, But wasn't exactly happening when you had Cooper Ross at the start of the year, but you know, they still found a way in those games. And, of course, that's the only reason we could still even talk about this team being in contention. And now with Dak Prescott, though, there's a whole other set of expectations for the offense and, you know, the dynamic that he brings to it. And we saw that against also teams like the Lions and the Bears, but it didn't exactly translate right here on Sunday against the Packers. Of course it did at times. And, you know, we'll get into see the big game. Though help could still be on the way at receiver and what Tony Pollard did on the ground, all of that coming up. But, my concern with the run defense is, you know, even when you did take them out, after the Cowboys took a 28-14 to 14 lead in this game, you would think that would be enough to say, okay, now Aaron Rodgers is going to be one-dimensional. He's going to have to throw. We know the ball comes out of his hand so fast, so maybe, you know, the pass rush won't be as effective, but yet they're still going to be one-dimensional and they're not built for this and, you know, the receivers are inexperienced. But from that point on in the game, the Packers still ran the ball 12 times for 79 yards. That's six point six and a half yards per carry. On the game, they only averaged 5.3 yards per carry. So, you know, their run game got better in the face of the adversity of trying to come back in this game. And that's, you know, just a bad look for Dan Quinn's defense that has been so good all year. But all year long, the Achilles heel as well has been this rushing defense. And, you know, you ran into a team that was just built really well to expose it. Mike McCarthy showed up to this game in a, you know, Vince Lombardi-style, you know, jacket. Got there early to Lambeau Field to reminisce a bit. And, you know, Lombardi is, of course, famous for that toss sweep play, knowing how to coach that. Well, it's the Packers toss sweep that, you know, the Cowboys couldn't defend that ended up doing in McCarthy's team for spoiling his homecoming here and dropping the Cowboys to 6-3 and three with so much work now to do in the NFC East. The Eagles 8-0, the Giants take care of business on their home field. Against the Texans on Sunday, they are 7-2. So, the run defense, the biggest issue with this game, of course, what needs to change for you know this to get better? We know our linebacker is still going through a bit of a transition. You've seen Jabril Cox out there earlier in the year, but he was, again, inactive as they were seemingly wanting to transition to Demone Clark out there. So asking a lot from a guy who we didn't even expect to necessarily see at all this season, Demone Clark, your draft pick that had the spinal surgery out of LSU and is now – you know, was worked on by the Cowboys doctors, so he had the prognosis that he could come back sooner than some other teams expected, but yet, you know, right now he's being thrown into the fire to help a run defense that struggled. I really did think Leighton and Esk played pretty well at times. Again, in this game, he played through injury. He was tough-nosed out there, and, you know, he's kind of the only guy you can trust at linebacker if they are going to be suffering everybody else around him. And then the defensive line just you know, not stout enough in the middle. We know the situation that defensive tackle. We know what DeMarcus Lawrence brings as a run defender, but he can't do it all himself, and he was making tackles, you know, five, six yards past the line of scrimmage in this game. It doesn't exactly help you all that much, so what what needs to change for the Cowboys' run defense to stop teams from, you know, as soon as this next Sunday with the Vikings and what they did coming off a win at Buffalo? Dalvin Cook is staring you right in the face next week, so what needs to change between now and when you're facing Dalvin Cook?
2: So the one thing that, that I, because I I asked the question to myself, right? And as I look there, what's wrong with the Cowboys' run defense? And I'll be honest with you, and I'll be honest with the audience here. When it comes to the trench warfare, if you will, I'm not the best person for analyzing the, the trench warfare. I kind of look at what I see, and I kind of give it my just spin on what I, I'm looking at there. For me, the thing that I've noticed is that green bay what i saw on film that that toss play you know the the lombardi-esque that the, the running back toss play out of the shotgun i saw it so many times though i saw it so many times on film that this the, the spirit of a lombardi to have the toss play and meet him in the alley they weren't meeting that guy in the alley mm-hmm. they weren't there and I, I looked at where parsons was aligned you know in the formation off times. He was oftentimes off the ball, and he wasn't getting there. And that's not the Micah Parsons that I know. Micah Parsons can get out to the outside. like That's not who he is. So is there something wrong with Micah Parsons going on here? Is there something else that's kind of getting in the way? Because the team defense, the speed that I know about this team, I didn't see it. And I don't know what exactly to, to kind of, you know, how to characterize it, how, how to put it in a certain way. Uh, category but this team looked very sluggish going laterally very sluggish and I felt like not only Micah Parsons but Dorrance Armstrong was a non-factor today and that's not something that we've seen for a while he was a non-factor I I don't know that they're just not properly setting the edge and the linebackers aren't flowing to to the ball the same way that they should whether that's Leighton Vanderesh or Micah Parsons or even our, our big nickel linebackers that being Donovan Wilson or jayron curse those guys that we've been so accustomed to seeing kind of patrolling the the underneath area of of the the defense or near the box those players were non-existent and again i can't really put my finger on what it is exactly without doing a, a, a you know an analysis of it on film but i just feel like micah parsons was not his usual spry self i didn't see that and it looked like the other guys kind of took a back seat as well. That's that's how I saw it. Now, you know, could it be that they have to get better um, in the middle of, of the defense? Sure. You know, should I, we get more from Jonathan Hankins? Sure. Of course we should. But a lot of that looked like effort today. Like guys just not wanting to tackle. Guys not wanting to stay within their gaps and their unfits. And it cost them. It cost them severely today.
0: Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. And get your child's assessment for only twenty nine dollars. That's S Y L V 29com
1: So with the season on the line, some credit to Matt LaFleur and the Packers, of course, who, you know, stuck off the run game and that allowed Aaron Rodgers to, you know, stay balanced, stay within himself and just do what he does to not only the Cowboys, but you know, so officially against the Cowboys in his career and you know, really just be surgical and Picked them apart in the game's biggest moments. And you mentioned the safety play. I have a note on that in my post-game thoughts, which are always available on Mondays and following the game day on bloggingtheboys.com. And that's that, you know, Dan Quinn has such a unique unit at safety, but I really thought that, you know, as much as the cornerbacks might be the talk of this game from the perspective of how Rogers is able to have his way in the secondary that way, I really think it was the safeties that he attacked the best, you know, to really make a difference. In this game, you know, Donovan Wilson didn't make his usual impact as far as being that box guy who could have helped you against a run, but it wasn't there. So, you know, I don't remember him jumping off the tape at any point and in coverage, the same thing. You have Malik Hooker playing most of the game as your deep safety and coverage. And he was caught flat-footed way too many times and just got taken advantage of in coverage as well and leaving these other corners besides Trayvon Diggs on an island as opposed to having that help from either Wilson or hookers. So, you know, not only is a linebacker a position that you need to work on, but safety now as well and cornerback. So concerns at every level for a Cowboys defense that was the talk of the league through the early part of the season. But you know, LP we had the same discussion it was around this time last year where we all started to see the Cowboys offense, you know, kind of getting figured out. We all were concerned about Kellen Moore being able to stay in it for the long run and What was the adjustment going to be? And that adjustment never really came. And it spiraled out of control to the point of, you know, this team not resembling anything close to how they started last year when it came time to end the year in the playoffs against the 49ers. So that was pressure on Mike McCarthy and Kellen Moore. And in a second here, we'll talk about how the offense did look against the Packers, the good and the bad with that. But now, you know, with all these concerns on defense, the pressure shifts to – and these are more than one-week issues, and that's why I'm saying this, because the run defense has been an issue all year long, really. this That pressure that we faced last year with an inexperienced offensive coordinator like Kellen Moore sifts to a much more experienced coordinator that I think you know you certainly used to trust a little bit more in Dan Quinn. So now I think there's pressure on Quinn to really write this sip as far as the Cowboys going to be the team that some think they can still be as far as contenders. I know most Cowboys fans will be jumping sip after this loss, it feels. But, you know, still so much in front of this team with things that are fixable. And it falls a lot more on Dan Quinn right now than it does Kellen Moore, which is probably, you know, in a very general sense, a good thing for this team, just in terms of we know if it was on McCarthy and Moore's shoulders, you know, they already failed that test last year, if you will. It's, you know, an open book test and they failed it. So now it's more of an issue with Quinn it's a unique thing that they have to address and it gives Quinn a chance to do just that. And, you know, a coach that I think again can be trusted to make these adjustments and he's going to need still help from the offense. And that's where we'll get into, you know, how McCarthy and Moore had the offense repaired coming off of a bye. But for now, yeah, there's certainly some pressure on Dan Quinn who might've been, you know, too much of, and the players as well, you know, hearing the praises of what they did early in the year and now humbled a bit by, you know, a quarterback that can do that so quickly and, Rodgers trying to prove that he's still one of the best quarterbacks in the league. Hadn't lost five straight games since his first year starting in this league and didn't want to make it six, certainly, in prime time against the Cowboys.
2: And as much as I hate being a slump buster, uh, and I do, I I hate being someone's quote-unquote get-right game. I completely hate that. There's one thing that you had said, and you talked about Dan Quinn and what he has to do and having to – face the responsibility of his defense taking a step backwards. There's one thing that I ask myself during the game. And, you know, again, I'm a person like I'm very, very offensively focused. So I love offenses play football in the National Football League as a whole. I'm very offensively geared. But when I watch his defense and I watch Michael Parsons, I always try to find where is he before the snap? That's the most exciting thing for me about this defense is where is Micah Parsons, especially if you watch football in the conventional broadcast view where you'd see it from, you know, the sideline pretty much, you know, towards midfield. And I saw, and I'm going to ask you this question because maybe you saw this too, on passing downs. And I mean, obvious passing downs. I'm looking for Michael Parsons and instead of seeing Michael Parsons lined up at the edge, I saw him as an off-ball linebacker or I saw him dropping in coverage. And I think about that throw. I think it was to Christian Watson for the first down, I believe. They showed it in the broadcast where they kind of had Rodgers looking at Micah Parsons in coverage and seeing him cross. You know, as I, I think Greg Olson had said, it was that double window throw. And I looked at that play. I kind of have been thinking about that play this whole time. I think it was like a third and seven or something like that. And I said to myself, why is Micah Parsons dropping back in coverage? Why? Why is your best pass rusher dropping back 10, 12 yards in coverage? Why is he not going after Aaron Rodgers? For what? that That's the one thing that I told myself, and I, and I couldn't understand why. I just i just couldn't see why. I think it's it. just a
1: result of how quick the ball comes out of Rodgers' hands. I mean, not the Parsons can't get home quickly, of course, but you know, they it's just a decision they made during the week to elect to – try to play more coverage, and you know that works when you're playing with the lead, but that lead evaporated so quickly just because of the, the deep balls. You were giving up to Christian Watson the way that you couldn't cover outside of Trayvon Diggs.
2: And, and maybe that was the rationale behind it, and maybe that was the idea, but we have so many big nickel linebackers that could occupy that job. There, there's so many guys. I mean, you, you could you could throw a Janron Curse out there. You could throw a Donovan Wilson out there. Your, your most effective pass rusher is Michael Parsons. And and maybe it wasn't just that one play in particular, but it could have been a couple different plays. And I'm just like, why is he not rushing the passer? Why is he an off-ball linebacker? Because I know when we we drafted him, the concern of the fan base, the draft nicks out there, I'm sure, Sean, you're one of them, the draft nick said he's not an only off-ball linebacker. And to see that, I'm just... I didn't quite understand that, and I'm sure Dan Quinn will kind of look at it and he'll take accountability and he'll talk to his guys. But those things with the coaching staff, you know, the, the offensive coaching staff, they they've taken their lumps, they've eaten their l's. Uh, and Dan Quinn, you know, he, he's not infallible. He's a great, he's a great coach. He'll learn from it. Uh, but I think that's a question that, that shouldn't get lost too much. You know, as far as this game being digested, I hope that doesn't get lost and say, hey, why didn't you just use last Micah Parsons more as an edge rusher in this game? That's the one thing that I, I thought about.
1: Yeah, hopefully, as you said, that doesn't fly under the radar. That's a good point there. One thing that I feel like did fly under the radar in this game was the fact that the Cowboys were once again playing without Ezekiel Elliott in the backfield, and mm-hmm. you know, so what the offense would look like. Coming off of the bye was a big topic, and we saw you know, really another emphasis, probably too much, if you will, on the offense really trying to sustain these long drives with – You know, ball control, trusting Prescott to complete these, you know, run extension type plays and wanting to play that style of offense, which we know makes sense when Elliott is back in the lineup. And we're expecting that, you know, as early as this week, and then you have the two games in four days, they'll play the Vikings and then turn towards Thanksgiving against the Giants on that Thursday. So it made sense to give Elliott some more time off if he is going to play in that stretch of games Sunday and Thursday. But well, without him, you know, you still wanted to play that same type of offense. For Tony Pollard fans out there, it was another chance to see him as the lead back. And he did have his numbers once again. Tony Pollard got a career-high 22 carries, finished with 115 yards. But his longest run was his 14 yards. So as opposed to playing the same way he did and the entire offense did against the Bears, when you were ripping off explosive plays you know, almost at will, you tried to force Pollard into that every down back type of role, which I know his fan base will say, you know, he can do that and he needs the opportunity and he proved it. And again, for the most part, he did. But How much do you think this team missed Zeke just based on the bye week being a chance to reset and the reset seemed to be that they really want to play against short passing, ball control offense, and, you know, take shots when it makes sense. Is that the right plan for this offense? You know, can they sustain that? Is that – how this is going to work and can CDLM exist and make enough big plays in the structure of, you know, that sort of intermediate passing game as opposed to consistently going over the top and, you know, Prescott for the second straight week through an interception when trying to throw, you know, too deep for CDLM and on a route where he hasn't been on the same page over the middle and doesn't get the right depth in front of the safety. And it's been an easy turnover both times against the Bears and now the Packers both before halftime. So is that the right approach for this Cowboys offense? Or we could get more talk, of course, about we all know who I'm about to say, Odell Beckham Jr., you know, would he, how much of a difference would he have made in this type of game? Is it fair to still talk about Odell when CDLAM did put up great numbers in this game, season-high 11 catches, 150 yards. It was the first 100-yard receiving game by a Cowboys receiver this season. So on one hand, it feels ridiculous to still be talking about Odell but just by watching the game and reacting to it, I think we all know that even you know Lamb's numbers were a bit transparent and hollow there, and he did leave plays on the field and the passing game as a whole, you know, didn't do enough. There was too many tight window throws. That sequence before Conor McGovern's hold that erased the big Malik Davis, sixteen yard run in overtime, put you behind the sticks, and then on second along, Prescott had to really fit one in a tight window to Dalton So just to give you a chance to even think about going for it on the fourth down later on. Which was the incomplete in the Pollard, who was covered up. So, you know, does the passing offense still need help if they really are going to, you know, take another step and prove that they can be contenders again? Or was this, you know, the breakout game from CDOM where he's only going to get better from this and the next step for LAM will be to, you know, carry the team to a win as opposed to an overtime loss?
2: So, how you started your question, how you ended your question, makes me have to ask this question and that's you're almost asking me to choose between cd lamb and and ezekiel elliott there because on one side because i I think you know the fans of tony pollard feel vindicated right if you're a person who's pro tony pollard you feel a bit vindicated uh at the and also at the same time we can also acknowledge that the offense wasn't very explosive either i think the graphic during the game showed that, that the cowboys we're doing about three point four yards per play.
1: It almost looks like by design they don't want to be explosive. That's kind of my point. Like, and Elliott doesn't have that same explosiveness anymore. And I don't think you know they. And I think they'd be the first to admit that at this point they know Elliott is more that bruiser, you know, not fully power back, but more of a you know tough yardage between the tackles type of guy. And so they've designed this whole thing for better or worse around him, doing just that. Yeah. And they still tried it without him on Sunday, and you know. Like I said, mixed results. It kind of worked. The numbers are there. The points were there, and the stats are there for CDLM, So that's great. But you know, it didn't get you didn't get you in a win column.
2: So I, I don't think for me, right? And, and I'm gonna I'm gonna answer your question in two parts. And if it's a little bit long winded, guys, forgive me. But here's how I see it. You know, because if the baseline question is the first part of it, do you do you miss Ezekiel Elliott in, right now with these Cowboys? And my answer. Is no, you don't. You don't miss out. I don't feel like you miss him. The only time I held my breath and I was like, "Man, I wish Zeke was here," was when Deck had that that play action pass inside our our territory and he was in the end zone. That's when I, man, I really wish Zeke was here because Tony identifying that person coming off the edge to pick up that blitzer. Yeah, that's when I kind of had to hold my breath for a second. But overall, the way the offense runs and and you look at Tony, Tony had. 25 touches. I think he had 25 touches, 135 yards. He had, a, a, I think, six yards per carry, 5.5 yards a carry. His longest run was 14 yards, but he had multiple runs of 10 yards or more, especially on third and really long, third and second. I'm sorry, second and uh, 11, second and 14. So he was efficient. I won't say he was really effective, but and I don't think he was actually his himself because I think his burst that we're accustomed to seeing wasn't there either could have something to do, maybe not with his usage rate, but maybe just the conditions of the field. Not to give them an excuse, but that could be what I was kind of noticing. Maybe the conditions of the field slowed him down a little bit. But even not just Tony, but the guy behind him, I thought Malik Davis ran the ball well. I thought Malik Davis ran with good contact balance. He ran with burst. So the running game, I don't think, and I hate to say this, if you love Ezekiel Elliott, I understand where you're coming from. I get it. He's a bruiser. He's a bumper. He's a thumper. I understand it. But I don't think you miss Ezekiel Elliott outside of pass protection, which that's not what's going to make or break this team necessarily because I thought the – I know I don't want to get sidetracked, but I thought the offensive linemen did a pretty good job of keeping Dak Prescott clean for the most part. Tyler Smith, Terrence Steele. And I think the guys on the interior, they did a good job in run blocking today. So your Zach Martins, your Tyler Biotis is – mcgovern i thought they did a solid job where i'm really concerned with if you're saying do we need odell beckham i still say yes and it's not really based on Ceedee lamb because i think lamb can kind of handle the the load as far as being the number one focal point i think he's got that figured out he, he can play in the slot he can play outside you saw him turn to i think is a premier corner Jared alexander he turned him inside out it's a beautiful route for a touchdown that's a top-flight corner that he had chasing air. So I think C.D. Lamb has kind of got that point. It got that part figured out. I'm actually most concerned with Michael Gallup. That's where I'm worried really what's going on with Michael Gallup as far as his involvement in the offense is, is he right? Is he okay? You saw him limp off the field. You saw him leave the game for a time. I wasn't sure what's going on. He, he went down in a heap without being contacted. He came back in the game. That's great with the same lift and elevation, I'm not seeing the same guy, and I'm worried. Is there something wrong with Michael Gallup and his recovery? And I know we're exchanging two guys that are injured with another guy that's injured, but to at least alleviate some of the load for the number two guy in our offense, if it is Michael Gallup, or if it's sometimes it has to be Noah Brown, I still feel like you should make that move for Odell Beckham just in case – you have to say, okay, guys, we got to open up the offense a little bit more. Who do we got? We got you who's not quite himself. We got Ceedee Lamb, and who's the other guy? We don't have another guy, so that's where the concern lies. I think you do have to go out there and get the guy, and I'm not worried about Zeke, but I am worried about who emerges as the second or third true option in this passing offense.
1: This is certainly a typo. It could be eye opening for the Cowboys. They have their work cut out for them. In the NFC East, it's a type of loss where it brings up every, you know, offseason criticism of this team is really just staring at you in the face in terms of, you know, long-term talk about this team. Can they win a the big game? Well, this game checked that box in the no column. Can they, you know, do they have enough of a receiver right now? That's probably the biggest offseason topic. And I'll try to see the LM in this game. Of course, they did not. And, you know, defensively against the run again at Achilles' heel, really uh, showed its, you know, ugly head in this one. So, you know, last year they faced these same issues though and they didn't adjust and they let it go all the way through the end of the season. They needed they had the division wrapped up pretty much at an early point in the season. So they let it go, you know, knowing that, well, we're going to be in the playoffs anyway and we can figure it out then. And they didn't and they got bounced in the first round at home against the 49ers. So at least now they have an opportunity to address it. And if, again, this is going to be a wake-up call what corresponding moves could be made this week. It's going to be very really interesting as the Cowboys start to turn the page to the Minnesota Vikings. Real quick here before that, I just want to run through these 6-3 and three teams. So 6-3 and three is the Cowboys record. It's also the most common winning record right now in the NFL. You have the following teams at all, 6-3, and three, the Jets, the Bills, the Ravens who have that record and are in first place. The Cowboys don't have that luxury thanks to the Eagles being – you know, and the Giants ahead of them with seven wins now. The Titans are also a first place team at six and three over in the AFC and the Cowboys. So just run through those six teams, LP, where do you rank the Cowboys now amongst the six and three middle of the pack uh, contenders in both the AFC and NFC between the Jets, Bills, Ravens, and Titans?
2: All right. So I'm looking at the standings right now and when it comes, I feel like Tennessee, I do feel like out of this group, the best team with the best defense, the most consistent offense, it, the Bills are number one in that class. Without question, it's the Bills. Uh, I'm not going to argue that one. I think it's the Bills. Uh, as far as in the NFC, I think it's only the Cowboys, right? Just the Cowboys that are in that class. So looking at that, I would say the Bills are number one. The Ravens, to me, have they're not a good defense whatsoever, in my opinion. I think they, they have not recovered. Defensively, So I feel like it's you're in the tier of behind the Bills and right there with the Jets. I, I think really highly of the Jets. The team is very young, is very energetic, has a good defense. Uh, the, the Titans may have that type of experience, but I feel like the Cowboys are right there probably with the Jets at number two, if not number three, where they stand. Which, which again, you're not in bad company. This team is they, – they're going to be a playoff team. So if, you, if you're a Cowboys fan that's kind of like you have some kind of intrepidation about it, the Cowboys are going to be a playoff team. They're going to make the playoffs. You're, you're worried about what happens then, right, and the, the nonchalant of, oh, we'll figure it out in, in the postseason. They can actually figure it out right now by improving your receiving core with, with Odell Beckham. They can figure it out right now by figuring out what's wrong with how we play our run defense and then trying to figure it out, which that may not get fixed, depending on what's wrong with Anthony Brown. Hopefully he's okay. You know, what happens there with your secondary? But the Cowboys are going to be a playoff team. They're going to be in the mix. And it's still too soon to tell what happens, because as much as we think about the Cowboys and how great they were doing, and I don't want to just be negative entirely, but considering how great we thought the Cowboys could have been based on winning games without your starting quarterback, the defense, these other teams as well, it's a long season. It's a 17 game season. And like you said, you've been watching football for a long time as a I, but 17 games feels very long. So at six and three, you still have about half your season left. It's a long time left, left in the season. Teams can kind of take steps back. They're teams that peak really early. They taper off. And all of a sudden the Cowboys can find their way after a little adversity and become a hot team going well into Christmas and, and the new year. So they're going to be a playoff team. Um, but we have to adjust our expectations, right, based on the loss. You have to adjust what you see based on the week-to-week basis. And for right now, yeah, the stock is a little bit down, but they're going to be a playoff team. I, I had no doubt in my mind they're going to be a playoff team. It's just going to get back in that conversation of being one of the elite teams in the conference. And that's what we have to see. But for now, you know, it's we're cautiously optimistic. I'd say that's the best way to say it. We're cautiously optimistic as we approach the halfway point of the season.
1: So to end on that positive note there, as Cowboys fans turn their attention towards tonight's NFC East matchup between the Eagles and the Commanders, we'll see if the Commanders who have played well with Taylor Heineke now at quarterback, certainly always primed for an upset, can hand the Eagles their first loss. If not, you know, we know what the NFC East picture will look like from there. But as we then turn the page, bloggingtheboys.com, the front page of our website with LP at SD. flight flight crew on Twitter and myself at Sean Martin NFL we have you covered on that as we'll turn the page to the Vikings and then before you know it after that Thanksgiving against the Giants and the NFC East matchups from there so so much more football to be played and talked about we'll do that for you as the Cowboys look to respond from this loss in Green Bay and we covered it for you here on the Hidden Yards podcast for LP Crews I'm Sean Martin and there it is
0: Search Wix Studio today to explore the full range of features. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals,